It was at the church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's plain blatched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people of Blumendahl, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. This passage this morning, it comes from the book The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. And in The Hiding Place, Corey tells the, the story of her family who was living in the Netherlands during the time of World War II under the Nazis. And she tells in, in this book about her, how her family became involved in the Dutch, uh, the underground, uh, or the Dutch resistance. And it began very, very slowly, but very gradually. It began with them just kind of running, if you will, what's, what we call black market operations. They were kind of running operations to get extra ration carts. And they did that for a while, and then it led to them all of a sudden becoming part of helping hide the Jews from the Nazis. And they did that. And then ultimately, they owned a watch shop in uh, the Netherlands. Their own watch shop would become a place where they would hide uh, Jews. And they did this for, for quite a while. In the book, though, it's tragic because in uh, February of 1944, the Nazis, they get word of this, this operation that Corey and her family are involved in. And they, they raid the watch shop. And what's amazing is, is there's Jews that are hiding there when that raid happens, but they're never found. They're kept safe during that raid. Corey and her father and her younger sister, Betsy, they're taken to a prison. And not very long after that, her father, he dies because of the conditions in that prison. And as the war is going on, as the Allies are invading the Netherlands, as they're getting ready to liberate the Netherlands, the Nazis respond by putting Corey, Betsy, and, and many others on a train, and they send them to Germany. They send them to Ravensbrück extermination camp, one of the notorious women's extermination camps during the Holocaust. Corey and her sister, they arrive there in September of 1944, and that's where Corey, for the first time, she meets the person she simply refers to in the book as the guard. And Corey watches over four months as her young sister, Betsy, slowly declines in health and ultimately dies in December of 1944. And shortly after that, Corey is, is released by a clerical error. There's some kind of mistake that happens and she's released from Ravensbrook. But because of the condition that she's in physically, she has to remain there for a while. And after she's recovered, she eventually makes her way back to the Netherlands. She's reunited with her family. And she goes on to help others who have been victims of the Nazis' crimes. She does this till the age of, of, 90, uh, of, the age of 91. She's called home to be with her Lord and Savior in, the, in 1993. The entire time she did this, she shared the love of God and the power in the words of forgiveness. Corey, she lived in Ravensbrook for four months. She endured that place of inhumanity and of death. And yet, that entire time, she continued to keep her faith and her trust in her Lord and Savior and share that message with her fellow prisoners. We hear in our gospel reading these, these words from Luke, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. These words, they come from the second part of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. And we're sitting here this morning and it's hard for us to, to hear these words, let alone to follow them because of the world that we live in. So to begin with this morning, let's see if you guys can fin finish a few of these phrases for me. An eye for a... I don't get mad, I get... I've shared this with all the services. When I was like writing this, I was nervous to like have fill in the blank because if you guys didn't participate, I'd be up here with this look of, okay, what do I do now? So thank you very much. You didn't make me like have a deer in the headlights moment. But yes, this is, this is the world that we live in. You do something to me, I'm gonna do something to you in return. We live in a world where it's about getting even. But... What if we were to love our enemies like Corey did during her entire time in prison and then at the Ravensbrook extermination camp? The world, they might see us differently. The world might see us as weak because we're just letting our enemies do what they want to us without doing anything to them in return. What if we were to do what Jesus told us to do, what he commanded us to do in his Sermon on the Plain? The world might see us as a pushover. We just let our enemies steamroll over us and do what they want and we do nothing to get even with them. This, this message that Jesus is, is telling his disciples and all those that are gathered, it was radical in his time and it's even more radical in our time to love our enemies. But Jesus, he, he gives kind of three main points in his Sermon on the Plains. The first one is he tells us to pray for those who mistreat us and to bless those who curse us. I don't know about you folks gathered here this morning, but in my human sinful uh, na nature, my first response when someone curses at me or mistreats me is not to pray for them. I usually wanna return the favor to them. I wanna get even with them, but that's not what Jesus wants us to do. He tells us to pray for those. The next point Jesus brings up is about uh, turning the other cheek. When a person strikes us on the cheek, we're supposed to willingly turn and give our other cheek to that person. In our human nature, we usually don't do that. We usually will raise our hand in the order of a, of a fist or maybe a slap and we wanna return that favor to them. But that's not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to willingly turn and give our other cheek to that person who might be striking us. And then there's one final one this idea of lending. And Jesus, he takes this idea of what we think of as lending and he kind of flips it on its head. So the world that we live in with lending, it's I give you something and you give me something in return. That's not how Jesus wants lending to work. He wants us to, to lend to those in need willingly, knowing that we're not gonna get anything in return for that and to be okay with it. That's the, the three things that Jesus kind of brings out in his sermon on the plains. The biggest one is loving our enemies and those who mistreat us. But I'd like to, to throw a small wrench into that teaching. What, about if, what if that person who is, is mistreating us, who is, who is cursing at us, they aren't maybe not a soldier like in the hiding place or they're not some random person that we met on the street corner or that we ran into in Kroger. Let's bring it in a little closer. What if it's your, one of your own family? What if it's one of your own brothers or some of your brothers? 
We have this example in our Old Testament reading this morning from Genesis chapter 45. I like to call Genesis chapter 45 the big reveal because we have Joseph who's in power in Egypt and his, his brothers have come to him for food and Joseph recognizes who they are when they come to him but they don't recognize who Joseph is and Joseph sees them coming and he could have been like sitting there like, I got him right where I want him. I can get back at them. But he doesn't. Joseph, he could have sprung a trap on him and gotten even with his brothers, but he didn't. Remember, these are the same brothers who sold him into slavery and everything that he went through after that. But instead, Joseph, he responds with mercy and with grace and with these words. He tells his brothers, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph, he, do, he doesn't respond with, with words of anger. He responds with words of mercy. He does mess with his brothers in, in chapter 44. And I mean, who doesn't like messing with their siblings? But he, does, he responds with mercy. And not only does he respond with words, but he responds with actions. He gives food to his brothers. And then he, he asks them if his father is still alive. And they tell him, yes, he's still alive. And he's like, bring him on down. And he, he has him come down and live in Egypt. And he provides for his entire family. We have a model here of how we should respond in mercy and with forgiveness in Joseph when he did this, when he responded to his brothers in this way. But let's, let's circle back around to that first, that opening illustration I had from the hiding place. And let's see how Corey Ten Boom, how she responds to this encounter with the guard at that church there. So Corey writes, even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it's not our forgiveness any more than on, than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. Here we have Corey. She's, she's modeling and demonstrating by forgiving this guard. And why, why does she do that? You're asking yourselves, why would she do this after everything this guard did to her and her sister during their time? It's because Corey, throughout the hiding place, she shares the faith that she has, not only that she has, but her entire, faith, uh, her entire family. One of the things that, that is highlighted in the book is the family has this Bible, and they, they read from this Bible daily. And when the house is raided, they make sure to grab this Bible and take it with them to prison and then to take it with them as they journey. They even manage to, to smuggle it into Ravensbrook where they're being held. And they use that Bible to share it with their, their fellow prisoners to remind their prisoners of the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. Corey does this forgiving this guard because it's what Jesus tells us to do. 
You see, in our reading this morning, Jesus, he didn't just, you know, say, forgive your enemy or love your enemies. He, he demonstrated this. He took it one step further and he demonstrated it when he, when he was going to the cross. When Jesus was, was hanging on the cross, when he was dying for the sins of the world in all that pain and agony, he didn't cry out with words of vengeance or getting back at those who had put him on the cross. No, instead he cried out with mercy and forgiveness. And he cried out and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what, I, what they do. Here we have Jesus, he's, he's hanging on the cross in agony, dying for the sins of the world. And he's, he's, asked, he's crying out for mercy for those who have put him on the cross and for those who are standing by and continuing to mock him. Jesus did die on the cross for the sins of the world. And because of that, we've been freed from sin, death, and the power of the devil. And because of that, we have been given the forgiveness and mercy from God. So what would happen if instead of, of getting back at our enemies when they do something to us, we respond like Jesus and we give them mercy? In the hiding place, it could have been so easy for Corey, and justifiably so, to just want to get back at this guard, to want nothing to do with him, to not want to forgive him. Because she watched as her, her sister died in the camp because of some of the treatment of this guard. It could have been so easy for her to do that, but she doesn't. Instead, she forgives that guard. And in the, in the, in the book, she ends the book by kind of talking about this, this power that comes through that forgiveness. It's hard for her to put it into words because she knows it comes from outside of herself. It can only come from the Lord. So I want you to imagine what our world would be like if when a person mistreats us, when they do something wrong to us, instead of getting mad at them or trying to get even, instead we respond with words of mercy and forgiveness. Imagine what our world would be like. Imagine the change that would happen in our world. And you might be asking yourself, why would I wanna react this way when a person gets back at me, when a person does something to me? I wanna get even with them. And you would react because it's what, Jesus, it's what Jesus told us to do this morning. It's what he commanded us to do and what he, he himself modeled for us as he was mistreated by those who tried to kill him. So when we as a people of God gathered here this morning, when we react with mercy and forgiveness instead of, of getting even to those who mistreat us, it gives us a chance to reflect the, uh, reflect the mercy that we've been shown by God. You see, through the, through the death of Christ, when, when God looks upon us, he doesn't look upon us with anger and judgment. He looks upon us and he doesn't see our sin and our filthiness, but he sees us, his sons and his daughters, covered in his son's blood. And because of that, he looks on us and he looks upon us with, with uh, forgiveness, with mercy and compassion. And that's what we should have for our enemies. We also get a chance when we react with mercy to reflect the love that God has shown to us and through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, you probably might be asking yourself, how do I, how do I respond? What are, what are some ways to respond with, with grace and mercy to a person who is mistreating me? We can do this in, in a very simple way. It's in three powerful words. Those three powerful words, I forgive you. The power in those words and the feeling that they give to us, it frees us. And Corey in, in, her, in the hiding place, she tries to convey that in words, that, that feeling that she had, that love that she felt that did not come from within her. We also forgive those who mistreat us because we know 
that Christ, he first forgave us for all those sins and wrongs and things that we've done in our lives. And we also know that we have a God who is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love toward us. And this is what helps us as we're trying to, we're either forgiving or, or we're struggling to forgive that person who seems to be just so unlovable. Amen. Now may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.